Modern. 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 We're prepping for a voyage. Modern. The force of an old-fashioned equals whiskey mass times bitters acceleration. Why don't you make that a double? Modern Bar Cart. What's shaking, cocktail fans? Welcome to episode 137 of the Modern Bar Cart Podcast. I'm your host, Modern Bar Cart CEO, Eric Koslick. Thanks for joining me for this panel-style interview episode where I assemble a crack squad of beverage industry luminaries and then waterboard them with canned cocktails for your entertainment. Now, this might sound like a bit of an exaggeration, because it is, but if you take about 50% off of it, you'll have a pretty good sense of what we're about to hear. This episode was recorded during the recent American Distilling Institute Judging of Craft Spirits, where I was lucky enough to sit side by side with these awesome folks and give feedback that helps craft distillers improve their products. There's a lot of things that make ADI, the American Distilling Institute, really special. But in this episode, we're going to focus on the fact that they're probably the leading organization when it comes to giving feedback to the producers of ready-to-drink, or RTD, cocktails. Anybody who's ever cracked open a White Claw hard seltzer knows that this drink segment is gaining momentum in a way that's fairly unprecedented in the U.S. drinks space, pushing more traditional canned beverages off the shelves and, for better or worse, revolutionizing the way that many people drink. We'll get down and dirty with this category in just a second, including the differences between the U.S. and European markets, but first, I must demand that you... Take a hot second and make yourself a drink. This episode's featured cocktail is the Greyhound. And the reason I selected it is because while judging at ADI, I got to taste a particularly delicious expression of this drink in an RTD format. To make the Greyhound cocktail, you'll need two ounces of vodka or gin if you're a gin person, four ounces of grapefruit juice, most recipes on the interwebs call for the ruby red variety. And that's it. Yep, this is one of them two ingredient cocktails. Now, before I tell you how to make this drink, to be honest, this is the perfect episode for this to be happening. I need to ask you to step back first and foremost and visualize it, right? We got our four ounces of grapefruit juice. We got our two ounces of vodka. Are you picturing it served up in a stemmed cocktail glass, or are you envisioning it in a rocks glass, or maybe even a Collins glass over ice? The answer is yes. There seems to be very little consensus about the service method online, which is a data point in and of itself. I'm sure that most hardcore bartenders out there are wired to see this citrus juice right, the grapefruit, and immediately go into shaker mode. But then again, if you look at this drink, even with your eyes kind of squinty, it, 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 it's clearly in the Paloma family, right, at least tangentially, and you don't shake a Paloma. Here, I'm tempted to take a page from the late, great Gaz Regan's book and tell you to just do this. Put ice in the glass of your choice, Add your liquid ingredients and give it a stir with your digitus secundus manus, which is your pointer finger. Stick it in there and give those ingredients a frosty jostle. The frosty jostle, by the way, was my nickname in high school. The Greyhound cocktail has a cool history and a few interesting little riffs, which was a thing in the mid 20th century. You'd make a cocktail and then these little riffs with fun names would just start kind of crawling out of the woodwork but we don't have time to get into all of those in this episode. The takeaways for the Greyhound cocktail are that it's quick and easy, and as long as you're not on any sort of medication that doesn't jive well with grapefruit juice, which is a real-world issue, it's a great refreshing option when you're jonesing for that Paloma, but don't have the bubbles or the tequila. So, now that you're equipped with your very own simple highball drink, let's get back to this State of the Union review of ready-to-drink cocktails. 
Our guests for this episode are lead steward for ADI and prolific spirits judge and cocktail writer David T. Smith, author of The Gin Dictionary and former guest on this very show. I'll link to his episode on the show notes page over at modernbarcart.com forward slash podcast. Kelly Rivers, who is the U.S. brand ambassador for Sip Smith Gin. She's also a passionate gin collector and educator, and I really enjoyed learning from her as a lead judge during this year's event. She's got a lot of great insights on what gin is and where it's headed. Bernadette, a.k.a. Bernie Pamplin, the mind behind UnderTheGinfluence.com, contributor to many spirits publications, spirits judge, and all-around juniper-infused badass. And finally, Joe Barber, who holds the title with ADI that I know a lot of fans of the American version of The Office will appreciate, assistant to the lead steward. Now, Joe's actually the linchpin of this episode. He's the educated palate that chooses to use his powers to speak for the average person, which is why he's our Johnny on the street, an advocate for all that is efficient, effective, and uncomplicatedly delicious. He's the voice of reason in complicated times, and for that, we love him. Because our guest introductions were a bit lengthier than usual, I won't bog you down with too many further details except to mention that we'll have some cool video launching in association with this episode. So if you're interested in seeing how the drinks we describe on air look in their canned formats, and if you want to see me play bartender for a bunch of thirsty gin experts, then yeah, head over to Instagram or YouTube and check out those videos. And with that... It's my pleasure to present this stimulating, can-cracking, state-of-the-union panel concerning ready-to-drink cocktails. Enjoy. Delegates from the United Kingdom and Kelly Rivers, <laughs> welcome to the podcast. Um, could you just go around, maybe starting with my friend Bernadette, and uh, introduce yourselves for our listeners? Hi, uh, I'm Bernadette Pamplin. I write under the Gymfluence. I've been blogging for about five years. Um, I'm now doing spirits writing for magazines. I judge and I also help with events. Uh, it's David T. Smith. I'm a writer um, specializing in spirits, um, but particularly gin um, and cocktails and anything a little bit weird that no one else wants to write about. Right. The Gin Dictionary. Uh, <laughs> listeners may have heard David's interview on the podcast. We'll link to that in the show notes page over at modernbarcart.com so you can check out that interview after this one. Uh, I'm Joe Barber. I'm uh, an RTD connoisseur, I like to think. And uh, I also <laughs> I also help out with the ADI and uh, the Craft Distilling Expert. Yeah, this is uh, Kelly Rivers. I have been a gin educator here in the U.S. Um, for about 12 years. I helped open up Whitechapel in San Francisco, so the largest gin bar in the U.S. as their gin psalm, so to speak. And I am currently living in New York and work with Sipsmith Gin um, over there and teaching people about gin in general while drinking RTDs. Which and you successfully put up with me for a full day on a, on a panel. I, I mean, I think it was a mutual kind of a back and forth. Yeah, I think I think we each brought our own nuances to the, the, the tasting notes here. Yeah. So uh, we've got a bunch of gin experts. We have a self-declared RTD connoisseur. Our, our, we, before recording. Self-proclaimed. <laughs> before recording, we kind of uh, identified Joe as our man on the street. Uh, <laughs> So, yeah. so um, I, what I want to do is start with a, a basic overview of this category because uh, anybody who has eyes uh, in the United States uh, and abroad has probably noticed that there's been an explosion of different alcoholic cocktail approximations that are bottled or canned for consumption. And uh, that's been a big trend, probably one of the biggest trends in the spirits and cocktail industry in the past couple of years. So we wanted to bring a little bit more awareness to this category and we wanted to just give people a sense of what's going on because we've got a lot of marks that were submitted here for evaluation. So David, can you just give us a, a high level overview and anybody else can feel free to jump in with their thoughts? Yeah, okay. so I guess um, when I think about RTDs and 
bottled cocktails, there are these two main uh, different types. One is the uh, sort of a spirit and mixer, could be like a gin and tonic is a very good example. Rum and Coke, Jack Daniels and Coke, that whiskey Coke, that kind of thing, often designed to be sort of on the go. And then the slightly more... Uh, sort of older and more sort of historical style with these ideas of bottled cocktails. So they could be things like Manhattans or martinis and lots of the big distilleries were making them um, sort of back in the sort of 20s, 30s, that sort of time. Um, they were designed to kind of be preserved over ice, so you still had a little bit of work, whereas mostly what we're talking about today is RTDs and that's kind of on the go. Think, you know, commuter on his way home, well, at least in the UK, having a little drink after a stressful day or barbecue, picnic, beach, that sort of thing. Right, right. Never, never while you're operating a machine. <laughs> these are not what these Heavy are designed. Not, not yeah, during yeah. work. No, no. What if you get like a, what if you get nervous, you know, operating the machine? Do not condone <laughs> drinking and uh, driving or drinking and operating machinery or drinking anything that is uh, condoned is illegal yeah that's you, you can tell that kelly is the one who's most concerned about job safety right now <laughs> uh sip responsibly <laughs> <laughs> so uh yeah that's kind of interesting david you know thinking about the the rum the, the ands right the rum and coke the you know the whiskey and coke to me when i think of that i think that i think of the shift that occurred from uh the early 20th century to the mid 20th century, at least in the United States, because of prohibition. After prohibition ended, what was considered a highball kind of changed. We started getting more of these sodas, more of these sweetened and carbonated mixers toward the latter half of the 20th century. And so uh, during that time, a highball was kind of a rum and coke or a whiskey coke, whereas previous to that, it was just sort of the classic what, we, what we're now getting back to in the highball category. Sure, yeah. Um, and then we, we also have um, this this other classification that's kind of front and center here, um, this, this long drink, which is something that I learned about for the first time this year. Does anybody have a, a good uh, approximation of what the long drink is as a category? Um, well, the long drink itself is a very uh, Finnish and Swedish kind of an origin where it is uh, citrus juice is now starting to become evolved, involved. And it's usually a... Carbonated or not carbonated? Usually carbonated. Usually yeah. carbonated. I've, I've seen a few that were not, and they were supposed to be served warm, which was which yeah. was fun. The, the actual dispensary had warm beverages in there, but it was it's kind of a where you have the plus one is what I call them: the gin and tonics, the vodka sodas, the rum and cokes. I call it a plus one, something and one. Long drink would have multiple. Would be in the plus two, plus three, but not into the cocktail. So one of the things that we can say when we're talking about beverages in cans or tins or bottles, the history kind of started off with here we're, uh, in Connecticut with Le Co with the Luck Club, and it was a full cocktail and a drink, and it was to help uh, people that didn't want to mix still be able to enjoy it, and then from there it kind of went into most notably would be the Gordons. Yep. The Gordon's drinks, which uh, were also in little bottles, very much like the spirit that it was, because this is the first time we're naming the actual brand of, of the alcohol and what their influences are. And it's probably worth noting that the bottles for these, and they did well, at least a dozen different varieties, yeah. the Gordon's, and the bottles look very much like the Tanqueray bottle today, which is not a Victorian fire hydrant. It's meant to look like a cocktail shaker, and that's where that's come from. Yeah. Right, right. Oh, that's a good point. Cool. Bernadette, you've been quiet. What what do you what do you think about some of the RTDs that we're seeing on the market today? Um, you were mentioning that, that you did a little bit of writing on that subject. I did. I should have reread that. <laughs> quick, quick uh, reminder. I love the convenience of RTDs. Um, at home, everybody's just mad for them, for the convenience. And unfortunately, like most things, people aren't always too caring about the quality. You can buy a lot of very cheap uh, we've got supermarket Lidl's, they sell like 99p gin tonics in a can, and people do uh, go through quite a lot of them. Um, my weird problem with RTDs, and I totally understand uh, why it is how it is, is I just find you get a lot of them, and they're kind of like a 5% ABV, and it just doesn't 
quite sit right with me because I kind of feel like if you could buy a can of beer that's 5%, if I'm buying a can that's like a cocktail, I want it to be slightly more, only very slightly. Um, I realise there's issues with that with like price pointing. Um, and I understand here as well, there's issues with sort of um, staggered taxes that you pay based on ABV. So it kind of puts people off. But I, if it's a sort of a low ABV one, I'm not too interested in them. Yeah, it is interesting because, you know, if you do the math, mm -hmm. um, Kelly and David, I'm sure you've done the math for, for cocktail ABV. I do the math, but there you go. <laughs> <laughs> I try very lightly to do math. I, the less math I can do, the happier I am. Yeah. But generally speaking, some of the, like if you were to get a, a gin and tonic, mm -hmm. where would that be in an ABV range at a, at a bar or in the home if you were making a standard size gin and tonic? That's a question. It's about, what, 8%, something like that? 8 9%, I think, for a standard one? Depending, it depends well, on the ratio, for Yeah, sure. you also have to understand that in the UK, the standard pour of a gin and tonic is about 30 milliliters, which is less, just a little bit over an ounce. Mm -hmm. So I always say when anyone comes over from the UK and they're coming to drink in the United States, mm. um, it's a little bit more alcohol we got in it in our drink, especially in a gin and tonic when you go over to the UK, they'll ask if you want a single or a double. Mm -hmm. Here <laughs> here in the US, if you say you want a double, that's about four ounces of alcohol that you're getting in the drink, so. Right. So there's um, things to note. So generally though, like if I were to do a two ounce pour. Two ounce pour in the US with a tonic of a normal size of a double rocks glass over ice, you're roughly going anywhere between 10 and 14% alcohol in a glass, Right. an eight ounce glass right so roughly comparable in that in that case to like a glass of wine which is why uh in the u.s like a lot of a lot of um like when you get certified for bartending you've got you know you're kind of comparing a full pint of beer to a glass of wine to a rocks glass of a cocktail for example so yeah we we do get a range of abvs we get a range of flavors um why don't we talk about what you just poured david and, and maybe uh, give us a little uh, evaluation of the flavor profile that we've got in this yeah, so this is one of these uh, Finnish long drinks. This is a, a cranberry-flavoured one. So you've got the, the gin and that there, but then there's the, it's a very nice red colour, which you can't see on a podcast, but we can all see it here. Is it, is it more pink? I pink. Say pink. Rose, maybe. Scarlet. Rose. Oh. We'll give rose. rose. Um, but I think ask the man on the street what, yeah. he, what he thinks. Joe, <laughs> let's hear it, Joe. What do I think of the long drink? Or that long drink. He's tasting intently. I think it's quite nice. I think it's quite balanced. It's nice. You get the gin, you get some cranberry. It's really refreshing. And it's, you know, you want, you want to serve it cold. But I think as a drink, if I was sat out in the sun, like we've got quite a lot of sun where we are now, I think I could happily sit and drink four or five of these quite happily. <laughs> sure, for sure. <laughs> I think that's kind of one of the real key things. And I guess probably worth saying that Three of us are drinking these out of, of uh, cups, but the man on the street's got a can because really for something like an RTD, you need to be able to drink it, um, you know, if you're out and about or something like that. Um, I think the cranberry, the finish is really nice and clean. And that's one of the things that I yeah, think this is a, this just is adds something to one it. One of my first long drinks with the cranberry. Um, I didn't think I was going to like it as much as I did. I quite like it. It's 5.5% alcohol, which again, for a long drink is standard and i don't know if i want anymore i know bernie you like to have a little bit more oomph i do like a bit of poke but yeah. i think but i think for what it is crushing it on outside on the patio by the water maybe on your friend's boat what you're not driving um <laughs> i call it porch drinking it's just easy i mean my great aunt used to say life's difficult drinking shouldn't have to be and i think that's what these are that's what rtds really represent mm. i when i talk about it because i love them and i love to champion them I try to get everyone to think about it as, yes, maybe you can make a better drink, but that's not the purpose of this. Mm -hmm. yes. It's mm -hmm. quite nice as well, having a different variety of flavors, especially in the UK, we find in as you, you all agree, David, there's a lot more RTDs coming to market. And, yep. you know, we got uh, our alcohol sections and our supermarkets have got large sections for RTDs now, which is fantastic for the consumer, for people wanting to try it. And I think it's good that a lot of the bigger brands are jumping on board as well, and and some of the craft brands are doing it. So there's a real variety for people to play with and and find what they like. I think in terms of like the place where the RTD kind of fits, 
um, is often a place where you might have like a can of beer and not everyone likes beer so instead of having beer and we necessarily want wine you have something like this instead you know you can chug a load of different ones with your beer in a cooler and do and I think that's kind of the place where it fits I guess that's probably why the ABVs are around that kind of beer ABV as well well I think what's really interesting especially here in the United States because I think in the US we're not our RTDs that we really think about are like buzz balls Mm-hmm. I had one of those. Oh, I'm so sorry. Please yeah. do not judge the U.S. on buzz balls, it's, really. Um, um, like apple sours. It's like yeah. But then, or you would go into, like, your nor- corner liquor store, and there would be, like, the little cans of, like, Mai Tais or Long Island iced teas. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that's how I first saw the RTD or the Ready to Drink. Mm-hmm. But when you're seeing, especially in the last two years in the U.S., the, the flight of spiked seltzers, Regionally, a lot of that was uh, marketed towards the health conscious. They were marketed towards the vodka soda drinkers. And what they found very quickly that blew everyone, the marketer's mind, was that the 40 plus year old Caucasian middle class, upper class were drinking most of them during like uh, sporting events. They were having them as their tailgating drinks. Mm -hmm. This is a market that they didn't even think that they could even jump into. And these are the champions. I live in Brooklyn and so many of the, in Williamsburg, so many of the liquor stores have like the Trulies, the Spike Seltzers, the, you know, the the White White Claws. Claws. And it's just like the beer market is like, the can market is so much lower because it's just cases and stacks and stacks on these and people go crazy about it. Yeah. Yeah. And as we were discussing this, you know, I, I started thinking about some of the RTDs that we judged. Uh, the way that we do it here at ADI is that a lot of different tables get to kind of throw their hats into the ring and help out with judging the RTDs. There's not a dedicated RTD table where that's all they judge, um, which I think is a good thing because it allows us to all kind of figure out where this category is going. It allows us to all have uh, a little bit more input on it. But there were a couple occasions where I came across some RTDs and it was a little tricky to judge them because I wasn't quite sure, especially when that RTD was uh, billed as a cocktail, if I was judging it as an RTD or if I was judging it against what that cocktail should be. Um, Can you talk about any of that and and maybe how, how a consumer should think about what is a, a successful RTD rather than a, maybe a less successful RTD? Well, coming back to your point, um, where you have to judge it, not something that you've made, and it's uh, something just just slightly less than that. I tend to look at like the balance of what's coming through. Um, does it taste like the thing it's meant to be? It doesn't have to be the best version of that, but does it taste like it? Um, also, just like the quality of the production, the different things you get coming through. Um, and that's, yeah, that's what I tend to look at when I judge it. Kelly, you have a, a very particular thing that you look for. <laughs> that is probably the nicest way anyone has ever said that. Thank you. I appreciate it. Um, so yeah, when I when I judge RTDs or when I when I take even at home or when I travel abroad, because one of my favorite things to do when I travel is to go to the grocery store, go to the market and find out what RTDs they have and bring them at home. I actually the bottom shelf of my fridge is all RTDs, just like the whole thing. No no vegetables nice. in there, mom. <laughs> um, but so what I judge for looking for it is, um, is it what it's supposed to be, right? Does it have the elements? Is it the best element? No, probably not. Can my mother make a better one? Yeah, my mom probably can. Um, but it's more the fact that, do I like it? Mm-hmm. Ultimately, that's the end of it. Do I like it? Am I going to nitpick that maybe the citrus in my gin and tonic has a little bit of a Sprite or 7-Up flavor? No, because did I finish it? Yeah. Did I want to get the other one? Of course I do. And that is what I think a successful RTD is. Mm-hmm. And now, what are your thoughts on carbonation? Oh, I have a, yeah. So when it comes to carbonation, if the drink is supposed to be carbonated, I want the bubble to be there especially in a can, especially uh, in an eight ounce can. One of the things uh, I know Smith here opened up our next RTD uh, for us to to taste and sample. This is, I find to be probably the most perfect size of an RTD. It is what, uh, 200 200 milliliters. I think it fits good in the hand, especially for a carbonated. The carbonation will stay. And especially when we're talking about the gin and tonic, which I think is probably the most 
done gen- uh, RTT out there because uh, yep. it's more a little bit more interesting than let's say a vodka soda. <gasps> I'm just saying. <laughs> I think that's why the spike seltzer is over here. But mm-hmm. I, all I'm saying is you want that carbonation to stay. You want those notes to hit it. You want it lighter in the palate. Um, I know a few people have some issues with a can of, of that's flat, like or if the drink's supposed to be flat, but it still comes out of a can because that mind that says, oh, can, that noise, it's supposed to be carbonated and then it's not and then you're disappointed. But I, I'm okay with that. Mm-hmm. But if there is carbonation... Let's make sure that carbonation stays. Mm-hmm. It's it's funny. I I think sometimes consumers uh, or listeners who are just kind of casual at home bartenders who are listening to this podcast probably think of spirits judging events like a bunch of people in very nice suits sitting around a table, maybe some monocles and pocket watches. <laughs> David, David, and 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 we're all just kind of sitting here like very. You know, evaluating these things in a very kind of snobby way. Uh, but, you know, I, I really like what you were saying, Kelly, about the carbonation because it, we, we actually kind of do go through and evaluate these drinks in, a, in a, a kind of stepwise methodical way. We're looking at the different components. And I think a great example of that is yesterday I had the opportunity to judge an RTD that was billed as a bee's knees cocktail. Um, and I think it was the least successful cocktail on that flight. And we had really, really tight consensus around the entire table because all of us said, all right, this is supposed to be a bee's knees. Bee's knees has gin. It's got honey. It's got lemon. I don't taste the gin. <laughs> I don't <laughs> taste the honey. And, I, and, and the lemon tastes like sweet tarts in this poor score, you know, and the carbonation was a little bit weak. So, you know, we do go through it in a stepwise manner. And, and I think that's a... I was skeptical about us judging an RTD category because it seemed very far away from the kind of craft origins of ADI. But I think because we're trained to do this in a very methodical, very carefully considered manner, I think it's actually really valuable to the RTD community. Yeah, and as you're saying, there's quite a lot of uh, smaller um, producers are making them as well. The, just the one that we're drinking at the moment is a little bit uh, of uh, a sideways move because this is actually a canned martini. Mm-hmm. Uh, no. <laughs> this is 21%, so much higher. This is in the 200 mil. Um, what did people think? I mean, I want to know the proportions of vermouth to gin is on. No, sorry. That's just me being a neurotic um it says here it's look club which was the brand they did a nice repackaging and rebranding of the can i've noticed because this was the brand that i noticed when i was going to liquor stores next to the buzz balls was look club um brand um but it says made with extra dry gin and vermouth the gin is in it it's also (laughs) also what it says in the flavor text and other fine spirits um yeah i mean it's not awful. It's perfectly drinkable, I, I would yeah. say. It's quite nice. Nice and cold. I, mean, yeah. I don't know if I'd be crushing like... Mar- I would normally not be crushing martinis on the side of the pool anyway. <laughs> um, but I guess now I can in a perfectly... Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I don't think I'd have lots of these. If I'm, if I'm out having a bit of a good time, there's not going to be... It's quite strong. It's quite powerful. I'm not going to be... Like you say, crushing a lot I, of them. Bernie looks like she's going to be crushing a lot well, of I do, them. I like but... it. And the can's so small, you could fit so many in your cool box. <laughs> <laughs> I could put so many of these in my purse. It's going to be great. We well, also do not condone bringing your own RTDs in the establishment. Um, that would be wrong. Kelly's going to be my new disclaimer person. <laughs> <laughs> the voice of reason. I could see something like this working quite well on a plane should you want to have a gin martini on a plane it's a bit difficult think, to get the mixing glass out. I think that would be out. really interesting what we're starting to see on planes and in flights um, I think probably in the US the biggest one would be a company called On The Rocks yep. um, they are out of I think Chicago I'm not 100% sure I usually see them around there but um, what they did was they actually partnered up with Beam Centauri and they created a Knob Creek Old Fashioned, Hilarious Aviation, Occlusion, um, Mai Tai. And you can like, I've seen them in a few hotels instead of having the mini bar, they're already there. But I know that United um, fly, does the Manhattan or the Old Fashioned. 
Mm-hmm. And you can buy that as a cocktail, and I can find I can see this taking off or doing something on a plane. Taking off, oh. yeah. man! If only I meant that one. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, um, when I uh, traveled re- relatively recently, that was one of the things I was really excited about trying was like this cocktail on the plane, mm-hmm. and I was like, could have had whiskey, but actually, I'd rather have this, and it was just nice sipping on it for my. 45-minute flight or whatever it was. <laughs> um, but what we were talking about when you are talking about craft and how RTD maybe to you didn't fit with a craft, I know um, from working on a smaller craft brand in a very large corporation like Beams & Tory, what Sipsmith did when we made our RTD, which is unfortunately only available in the UK, um, um, in the UK. But somehow it was magically transported here. I don't know how that happened, not at all. But uh, so what it, what, one of the things that I'm trying to, or I try to talk to our uh, development team, because we do have an RTD development team in the United States for Beams and Tory, is the fact that, yes, maybe Sipsmith is not as well known here in the US. It's not a household name. Um, but an RTD for a small brand can really show um, it is a is a good way to get in front of mind. Mm-hmm. Tip like, of the spear. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. or you know, this could go into. I know the Ace Hotel has an entire fridge of like pre-made drinks. So, if we had a small brand could think about a good way to get mind share, or a good way to be able to get just exposure is buy an RTD. Mm-hmm. Um, it, people might be more likely just to pick up that than actually an entire bottle. Right. Right. And I think one thing that I've seen kind of talking about opportunities to get in front of people and to expand your presence in the market. One of the things that's bigger here in the United States is shared office spaces. The big one being WeWork. And WeWork was, I think, very smart in one respect, um, maybe maybe ignoring some of the financial stuff they're currently going through, but they have beer taps. They have on tap beer and cold brew coffee and infused fruit water, things that just make it nice to be there if you're a person who's essentially paying apartment style rent for an office space. And if you're renting the office space, you know the trend now is to, to work longer hours, especially in the bigger cities. And so if you're at work until 7 p.m., maybe you want to, if you've got another half hour work, you want to crack open that first drink of the day. You want to have that first beer of the evening while you're still at work. And especially in a city with public transit, that's feasible. So I think, you know, like having more RTDs available would be a really good thing for some of these shared office spaces, especially having like little commissary areas where you can just pay a couple bucks and grab a can out of a cold case, um, which I think is expanding. I love that idea. Yeah, I, I love that idea. I, mean, I just I like to have a drink on the side when I'm working because because like, I write and I just find it's a nice lubricant to just have a drink to just sit there a bit. Um, was it Ernest Hemingway that said, "Write drunk, edit sober." Him? I think it was. Yes. Is there another disclaimer there, Kelly? <laughs> am I, am I just, I'm just triggering all the disclaimers here. I'm but, so sorry. I'm on, I'm on my third RTD here, so I don't have any more in me. We've got a very similar thing in the UK. There's a company called Regus, and actually, funny enough, the business I work for, we rent a couple of offices from them, and it's the same thing every month. There's like a, a little bill comes through. It's with, oh, kitchen amenities, but in that is some little perks, like a maybe, I don't know, I haven't been, I don't work for one, but potentially RTDs, I know they have got beer and various other things so it is a good idea and it definitely is a is a market that should be going into that area too mm-hmm. i suppose as well if there's like say um if there's like a restaurant space it just doesn't really have a bar but it's just more about the food they just got like a very simple setup it's a nice way that they can offer cocktails to people without having to have all the setup to do it sure like the the type of bar that would sell you a bucket of coronas yeah yeah it's more relaxed it's I easier want, I, want, for I sure. want my paint bucket full of like a 500 milliliter of sherry and some RTDs on the side and sit on the patio. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I was One of the other things, because we were talking about all these different um, RTDs and we've tasted the very nice Sipsmith. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, yeah, gin, let's, what the, what's the evaluation of the Sipsmith G&T? Man on the street. I quite like it. Again, refreshing. It's quite a lot of citrus, I think, on this one. But what I actually prefer about this one is you said you like the 200 milliliter can, Kelly. I actually think this is 250, the Sipsmith. I think it's a lot better, a little bit, little bit more. For, for man hands. For man hands. I've got quite big hands. But it's, it's like a, it's a tall can as well. I quite like that. I think that's probably about the right the right size to be putting in. 
a cooler it's or like a bag. Elegance as well, I think, to a tool. It is yeah. a bit of an elegance. It's, it's like a, it's like a club. A, looks like it it's, like a, it's a, it's like a, um, Collins glass. Yeah, mm. Collins glass. <laughs> it's the Collins glass of cans. Yeah. You can <laughs> taste the gin, which I think is you a great taste bonus. The gin, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a seven point three. See, that, that's sort of the that's, that's, that's your starting hopping point. <laughs> yeah. Is it the Bernie stamp of approval? No, yeah, no, that's fine. It's, I know it's like a weird thing. It's just anything above five, really. Lone Wolf used to do one that was like 8%, I think. That, that was, that was um, punchy, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Can we try the, the Yuzu one? It's a bit more bizarre. Well, yeah, just a bit more creative. Yeah, not creative. bizarre at all. Or well, it's a little more contemporary, contemporary. Than, that, than the classic of the gin, standard like gin and tonic. Read it for us, sure. Bernie. Um, so this is craft cocktails from that boutique gin company, Yuzu Gin Collins. Squeeze Yuzu Gin with jasmine lemonade, Ooh. which is really inventive, right? Jasmine. See, yeah. yeah. And so this is, <clears throat> I like where this is going because we talked a little while ago about you know these these cocktail these cocktails or RTDs that are supposed to be modeled off of a, of a classic cocktail that you would build or a bartender would build in the glass. Mm-hmm. Now we're getting into the zone where the RTD is stealing some plays from the canned beverage space, like the non, non-alcoholic canned beverage mm-hmm. space by taking a flavor that's familiar and then twisting it in kind of a sexy way. Yuzu and Jasmine are two of the sexiest words I've uttered in the past <laughs> several hours. <laughs> That was my nickname in high school. <laughs> Yuzu Jasmine. Yuzu Jasmine. Oh, wait, no, that was my stripper yes, name. Yes. Sorry, I'm totally wrong. I get those confused. <laughs> um, so what do we think about the Yuzu Jasmine? Is this, is this advancing the conversation about what RTDs can do? I think absolutely, because you've, you, know, you can create anything. You know, I think companies like Boutique are so good for that. They're an incredibly creative company, like with the gins and now bringing out the RTDs because the gins are just crazy ideas, really good stuff. But then going into the RTDs, it was a case of, oh, let's just, just with tonic, just with that. There's like all these different bits and pieces. What's the, um, oh, what's the other one that I really like? There's a cherry cone one, but that's not that one. There's a different one. It's got like Strawberry orange. and balsamico with the cream soda? Yes. But it's like also the cream. It's like orange blossom. It's orange blossom cream soda. Yeah, yeah, it's orange. Yeah, it's just yeah, it's so inventive. And I think this sort of thing, like you could get the gin and you can get some lemonade, but jasmine lemonade—that's a little harder to come by. Mm -hmm. And so now you get to a position with the uh, canned cocktails and the the RTDs, where actually you couldn't really very easily make this at home at all. The way that you have it is in Mm -hmm. this can, Mm -hmm. which is kind of moving on from what we were saying earlier about well, you can't compare it to what you would make at home. You can't even make this at home. So, I mean, I think they were really smart about this because so it is for all the Americans listening, I have to say that the boutique gin company is something that we can't get in the US. So <laughs> on you guys over there. Yeah, um, so they're using the, the gin that they're using in this is called the squeeze yuzu gin that they're mixing it with mm-hmm. the jasmine lemonade. And lemonade can be co- somewhat coyly sweet and kind of, especially in a canned cocktail, can go very kind of citric acid or artificial. Mm-hmm. And I think they're really smart with by using jasmine, so a floral note mm-hmm. to kind of balance out the citrus note, and also the fact that it's drying. So it, you, it's perceived that it's going to be drier than sweeter on your palate mm-hmm. because the teas have got a drying quality, the jasmine's drying. So, you know, sometimes it's hard when you like look at something, you're like, oh, this is going to be really sweet. And then you taste it and it's not, and not saying it's bad, but now you've already gotten to this mindset that it is faulty in some way because of what your brain thought it was going to be. Right. And I, so yesterday, <clears throat> I think one of the most successful RTDs at my table was a vodka Greyhound, which is kind of a grapefruity vodka drink. And I scored it very high. I, I'm almost positive that I scored it a gold. And the only feedback I gave is kind of on this, on, on trend with what you were saying, Kelly, because I was like, really the only way for me that this could be improved is with maybe a pinch of salt and 5% more acidity so that people go back for another drink just that much faster and then go and get another one out of the fridge. Responsibly. <laughs> I think it's evil advice. I mean, I don't I, like I almost feel half guilty making that advice because I don't think that it'll overall have a good impact on humanity. But uh, one of the things that people are sending the, uh, this stuff to ADI for is to get feedback from people who 
not only have really trained palates, but people who've been behind a bar and know what consumers want and how to make money with that. Overall, I think we have to also acknowledge the fact that RTDs are probably the fastest growing category and therefore are getting the attention of a lot of people who are willing to invest money with the expectation that they're going to make money back out of this. So um, I don't know. I think I think for me, um, you know, one of the things I like to evaluate for is like how in the crushability spectrum, how fast would I crush this? Uh, and if there's something that the maker can do to decrease the amount of time between my sips, I think that that's feedback that, that I'd love to give them. And I think that with this Yuzu Collins that we're drinking now, that's the thing that it has. Like, I mean, my my glass has been empty for, yeah. for like five minutes, so <laughs> I didn't have a lot. But it's, you know, this is quite. It, you're right. It's quite dry. It's like I can feel it in my lips. It's yeah. like, yeah, I need to drink another bit. I need, and I mean, it's very innovative. I love the fact that they've gone somewhere completely different with it, with a bit of Yuzu, <clears throat> and that the, the gin's fantastic I, anyway. I, but I also think, but with this one. This is kind of where I see uh, the RTD category going. This mm -hmm. is the direction mm -hmm. of yes. what we're going to start to see much more of the craft. So it's the craft of the gin. It's the craft of how you're doing it. But it's also the packaging. Between this and the Sipsmith, I might be biased, but between this and the Sipsmith, I think these are eye-catching. If it, you were on a wall full of RTDs, this is the where my eye would land on and my eye would continue to land on is something that is because it looks like part of the bottle. So if I wanted to then see the bottle in the store, I'm like, oh yeah, I had that RTD. I can catch it. I'm going to take it home, put it in my basket and buy it. And you know what I love actually about the four cans that we have on the table next to each other? They're all very different. The long drink, the, the pink long drink looks like a beer. It looks like a, a, a affordable, we'll call it beer. <laughs> the, the club martini it looks almost like an energy drink type of thing. It's yeah. kind of got this uh, very club-like, um, very contemporary packaging. It's got a it's got a color gradient on it. Uh, a nice '80s vibe. Well. Yeah, for sure. It's like like. Yeah, I mean, I've got Donna Summers in my head. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> now the Sipsmith, like the the can, it kind of reminds me. I mean, minus the logo with the 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 company branding, it reminds me almost like some of the. Um, European sparkling waters that you'll find can. The colors yeah. are very much in that direction. And then the Yuzu Collins looks like a can of craft beer because, you know, you know that anybody who's walked into a store that sells craft beer sees the proliferation of this, this very um, bright, very eye-catching artwork. So I think right here we have a really cool core sample of a bunch of RTDs that are using different associations to kind of pitch what they're selling to people, which I really like. The other thing I find really good is that, I mean, quite a lot of the ones we've tried this week have had their own takes on such like ginger beer or their own cola. So they've mm -hmm. then gone and made the ginger beer. They've made the cola. So that's not something you're going to be able to try anywhere else. It's not like, yeah, I can throw a, a boutique gin together with a Schweppes tonic. Mm -hmm. But having them give their own tonic, their own ginger beer, their own any other iteration is really cool because they've then gone and they've made another product to make especially for that no. i think fantastic. the thing is as well when it's like a when it's suddenly a unique product it's yeah. like more desirable because it's not the case you're choosing between those the same thing there's something it's like well that's that one thing i want to yeah, try that one you thing you can't get their ginger yeah. beer their cola elsewhere because it's not for sale it's actually only for sale in that rtd yep i was going to say something quite controversial please what? david it's not all about gin there are other non. I know, I, I, I know, I, I know. Yeah, no. I'm, I'm eyeing. I think we, yeah, David's, been, David's been dry for a while, so. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so the, I mean. I, I think the, the, the rum. The rum. Yeah. The, rum, the rum. All right, we'll, we'll give it a little audio verite. I have the idea that people are going to be listening to this at home and just like opening a can every time. <laughs> this is a little ASMR. <laughs> I'm also quite partial to a RTD mule. I'm sure you are too, Bernie. Yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, that was, yes. Uh, I went to the ones that I tried. You're such a gentleman, man on the street. Man on the street. <laughs> oh, yeah. This was, on, this was on my table yesterday. What do we think? Well, first of all, I must say, um, I am a very big fan of this. Um, even at a little tempet of the room, uh, 
as opposed to the ice cold. One of the things that I love this, and it does, you know, best serve chilled. Um, the thing that I really like about this is it is not a sparkling cocktail. It's mm -hmm. not supposed to be a sparkling cocktail. It does come in a can. We had a lot of discussion at our table about this. You know, should we mark it? I'm like, no, it's supposed to be a flat drink. And that's, again, the perception of the consumer opening a can. Like, you try to open it up to get the noise. And it's, it's there because it has to because it's canned. It's under pressure. But the drink is not to be carbonated. I don't think that takes away from it at all. No, no, definitely not. I mean, this is quite strong. So this is 9%. But I think Bernie approved. Bernie approved. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, it's it's rum punch, passion fruit, pineapple, orange, coconut. I think. Oh yeah. Arguably, really you can nice. taste all of that in there. Yeah. I yeah. think. I mean, it's a party in my glass, is what it it's is. It's really nice. It is really nice. Um, I think the fact going back to the can pressurization and then the carbonation. I think the fact that cold brew coffee has been so popular in the U.S. recently has saved that a little bit they've kind of, they kind of led that non-carbonated canned beverage explosion so i think people are going to be less alarmed when they open a can these days and, and it doesn't give that the carbonation little spritz there so it depends on how much you know the cocktail as well i mean if you know what a rum punch would be then you know there's not going to be carbonation but some consumers myself may not know that it's not to have carbonation it's not a problem don't get me wrong lovely cocktail but it could get lost in the translation of the can, I think. Mm. Mm. I could see Kelly wanting a sparkling martini. <laughs> <laughs> and here I thought we were Top. friends. <laughs> can I have a martini highball, please? <laughs> so um, I think we've had a really, really fun kind of core sample of what's available on the RTD market. Um, this has been really educational for me, especially because I am not partial to RTDs. I tend to rate them, I think, a little bit more militantly than, than some other folks. Um, <laughs> I'm very sensitive to aspartame like um, artificial sugars and artificial um, flavors because what I do uh, on a weekly basis is deal with like f natural flavor extracts. It's very easy for me to, 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 point, to pull out when something is not natural. And to me, that's, that's a personal turnoff. But I do think it's probably the most fun category that we're seeing on the rise. Um, do we want to offer any kind of closing remarks as we wrap up here? Maybe, um, you know, uh, advice for home consumers uh, or projections on where we think this is headed? It's going up. That's where I reckon it's going. <laughs> I, th I think it is. I think it's kind of on the cusp because it's, it's sort of gone from doing things that already were there to starting to do new things. So that's just opened such a huge avenue like the, the possibilities around this. So I, I'm quite interested to see where it's going in yeah. a couple of years, actually. I think my yeah. main tip is keep them nice and cold. I think exactly. certainly anything that's carbonated, like the bubbles are just so much crisper when it's really nice and cold. Mm -hmm. um, and really, I drink it straight from the can as well. Mm -hmm. Get that cool, cool and refreshing. There you go. I mean, I think what what we're finding, especially if you're, you're coming from a, more of a especially in the United States, because the RTD has taken over in the Australia. I mean, for Beam Centauri, 70% of most of our spirits are in RTDs. That's how they're being consumed. Um, UK, as we've seen in the last few years, have definitely boomed. You go to any grocery it. store and there's just overtaking the beer. Mm -hmm. um, but for in the U.S., we're not seeing it as much, mostly because the taxation on higher proof, people don't want to pay the money because they think that they're less proof they're going to get gypped. But one of the things that I like I like to think about is we're finding that millennials, they're, there's all these things that millennials aren't drinking as much. Yes, maybe there are some states that legalize certain things that maybe uh, people don't need to drink to get you know, relaxed or the fact that they're very health conscious. But what we're finding is millennials are drinking as much. They're just drinking differently. We cannot we cannot uh, count them in bars and restaurants like some other generations. They're drinking on the go. Mm -hmm. They're doing activities. They're getting out. They're hiking. They're picnicking. They're spending time doing things that weren't traditionally something that had food and drinks. Mm -hmm. And this is where you're seeing an amazing opportunity for the RTD and the ready-to-drink category. Right, right. And unlike, um, say you were on a picnic, unlike bringing a bottle of, of gin and uh, you know m maybe uh, some mixers with it, uh, if you bring a six pack of uh, of RTDs with branding on it, anytime anyone looks at that, you're getting market impact. You know, you're you're getting your brand out there, which I think is a great opportunity. For me, 
the one thing I have to say to wrap this up is uh, as the probably the, the most skeptical of the RTD category at this table, I think the takeaway that I've had from this conversation, the little, little aha moment for me is that the RTD category is not divorced from craft. In fact, I think the RTD category is actually really reliant on craft. Yeah. Uh, and, and so I think that's the light bulb moment for me is, is seeing this creativity going on and seeing that it's not necessarily being driven from the top down. It's actually being driven by the really high quality things that are going on at these craft distilleries and craft bars. Otherwise, I don't think we would have the Yuzu Gin Collins. So, um, Anybody else have anything to, to, to say before we uh, sign off here and send our listeners off to gr- grab a six pack of something? Uh, drink responsibly. I was just about to but say enjoy that. it. <laughs> 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 if you right. tandem, that would have been great. <laughs> <laughs> Cheers, everybody. Thanks. Cheers. Thank, Thank you. you. Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, there's two big things you can do for us here at Modern Bar Cart. One would be to tell your friends and family if you think they'd enjoy listening to us talk about cocktails. And if they don't download podcasts, they can always stream our episodes on their desktop directly from the show notes page at modernbarcart.com. The other thing you can do to help would be to head on over to iTunes or wherever you download your podcasts and leave us a review. Five stars are great, but we're more interested in your feedback. And the beauty is, the more reviews we have, the easier it will be for other folks out there to learn about our show. We're trying to start a cocktail revolution here, and by spreading the word, you're helping us fight the good fight. You can always reach us by emailing podcast at modernbarcart.com if you're looking for cocktail or bartending advice, or if you're a pro who would like to pull up a mic and be interviewed for all to hear. Also, definitely follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Modern Bar Cart for cocktail porn, recipes, and entertaining tips. And keep an eye out for new product releases and special offers, which are happening all the time. We love our listeners and we really enjoy giving you exclusive discounts and sneak peeks at our latest and greatest cocktail projects. This episode may be over, but for you, the mixological fun and adventures are just beginning. So remember folks, drink responsibly and experiment boldly. This episode was made possible with editing and production assistance by Samantha Reed. Ready to drink cocktail insights from David T. Smith, Kelly Rivers, Bernadette Pamplin, and Joe Barber, and a little bit of can-cracking interview magic by yours truly. This has been a Modern Bar Cart production, copyright 2020.